having, you know, an opportunity to do something outside of school that's bigger than yourself and feels very real world and is like real world applications, it really opens up firsthand experience to what you could be doing. Welcome to Learning Unboxed, a conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. This is Annalise Corbin, Chief Goddess of the Past Foundation and your host. We hear frequently that the global education system is broken. In fact, we spend billions of dollars trying to fix something that's actually not broken at all, but rather irrelevant. It's obsolete. A hundred years ago, it functioned fine. So let's talk about how we reimagine, rethink, and redesign our educational system. So today on Learning Unboxed, we have a very special treat. We're going to get to talk about a program called BOSS, the Best of Student Startups. Um, it's a program that I personally love and have had the opportunity to be an observer in on numerous occasions. And there's so much interest in entrepreneurship and startup and launching of new creative ideas and things. And so it's going to be a fun thing for us to talk about today. And joining us is Melissa Liang and Ruby Schwinn, both recent graduates. We're going to celebrate that all together uh, of The Ohio State University. So welcome, Melissa and Ruby. Thank you. So um, just very quickly, absolutely. Uh, so Melissa, um, again, like I said, recent graduate, uh, 2020 specialization in operations management with a minor in studio art. And she is currently an M&A advisory associate with PricewaterhouseCooper in New York City. And he's passionate about sustainability, society, and startups. So Melissa, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And joining Melissa is um, Ruby Schwinn. And um, Ruby, also recent graduate from The Ohio State University, and she majored in marketing and minored in innovation and entrepreneurship. And she is currently working at Accenture as a consulting development analyst. We're really excited to have them talk about their experience with BOSS. So uh, welcome, Ruby. Thanks. Excited to be here. So um, first and foremost, since, you know, uh, through the intro of this podcast, everybody's like, okay, she's clearly excited about boss. <laughs> so let's start with the best of student startups, this boss program. So so Ruby, give us um, just sort of a, a quick overview of the program and sort of where it's tied to within the university system. How, how is it that you got involved in this? Yeah. So I actually think it was Melissa who pitched the idea to pitch at this competition with me. She had the idea of sustainability and kind of integrating that into the way that women on campus shop for their clothes or in, in particular shop for their dresses. And this all stemmed hmm. from her constantly borrowing my dresses <laughs> for, uh, <laughs> you know, college date parties and these formal like date parties that we have sometimes for different student organizations. And BOSS, I believe, is through the Keenan Center of Entrepreneurship at OSU, Best of Student Startups. And Melissa was the one who brought the idea. And they have like a series of workshops that you attend beforehand before they tee you up to do the first round of pitching. So this is really interesting. I got to attend one of the workshops with Melissa. They discussed um, like what a pitch was, why most startups fail, and they just go over a lot of like helpful tips for you. And then you have the first round of pitching, which 
me and Melissa did. And that feels so long ago. And I remember our first pitch deck, um, we had both come from like a consulting prep background. So we had both done a lot of case competitions, which is, I personally think that really helped us with pitching for the first time at Mm -hmm. boss. Um, so the first round, um, but honestly it was very different than, than a case competition, like a pitch competition. So our deck I remember was kind of a mess. I don't, I don't know if it was like (laughs) what a pitch deck is supposed to look like. So yeah, we got a bunch of awesome feedback for the, from the judges. And with that, we were able to kind of revise things. And that's kind of when we met Paul Reeder, who became a mentor mm-hmm. later down the line for us as well, for the real, you know, the real deal at Boss. So Boss is, um, the actual main event of Boss was at the past Innovation Labs, and it was really mm-hmm. awesome. Um, they had us all like mic'd up and emceed with a live audience, which was really exciting, a little nerve wracking, but it was really fun. Um, we got to pitch, speak to an awesome panel of judges, and um, that's basically it. We uh, we placed second, which was <laughs> which was uh, like a surprise, but like so honored and really grateful to have gone through that experience. Well, I was there the night you guys pitched, and it was awesome. Um, And, you know, what I can tell you, and one of the reasons I wanted to be able to have this conversation with the two of you is that what I love about BOSS is, you know, once you get to the point that you're one of the finalists and you actually get to pitch at the event, it is really, really clear from folks in the audience that... um, the, the not just the ideas. I mean, the ideas had to be really robust and, you know, creative and innovative, you know, and all of those sorts of uh, components to, to have made it that far. But most important, I guess, from my perspective, it is really, really clear when you're sitting in the audience, the, 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 the pitches that we're hearing that the students went through a pretty rigorous process to get themselves to the point that they were ready to actually stand, if you will, on main stage and make that pitch. So, Melissa, I, I, I we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of twirl the idea in a minute, but I really, really want to dig into some of the process pieces, the series of steps that you 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 went through that Ruby was alluding to to get ready for this because um, there's a real push to take entrepreneurship and the concepts tied to startup and the concepts tied to pitch as a student learning experience. I mean, the amount that you must have learned from the minute you went to that first workshop until the day I saw you guys so polished standing on that stage is pretty phenomenal. And I would argue, and and Feel free to disagree, uh, Melissa. I would argue that you may have learned more in that series of, of workshops than in many semesters of traditional learning that you had within your college journey. And not to take anything away from the courses you took. That's not what I meant. But it's the rapid pace and the stakes, I think, that that made this experience so meaningful. So, so Melissa, talk to us a little bit about some of the, the steps along the way that you think made the most difference. Yeah, definitely. I probably am only going to understate the amount that Ruby and I were able to learn because... I we we went through this process as seniors and I can only imagine what people who had more time in this kind of environment would be able to kind of extract because I think we got the most that we could during our limited time there and even from the first 
day. So when you have like the kickoff, it's just like explaining what your idea might be. And it's just like kind of the initial onboarding that they had. You don't really cover anything. Even that very first day, I like mentioned the idea for Twirl and someone else was like, oh, my professor Paul Reeder was talking about something. You should talk with him. And just the collaboration in this environment as well just lended itself to not just what we obtain from workshops, but even from the people around us. There was just so much information and ideas and inspiration and passion from so many different people that we were surrounded by. So from day one, it was like, wow, this is really cool. And um, as we started going through workshops, there was just a lot of information that Jake was able... Who kind of... I believe that he doesn't run Boss anymore. I think he just moved on, but um, mm-hmm. he ran Boss when we... For many years. Yes, yeah, Jake did for many years. He's great. Yeah. No, definitely. And so he was able to coordinate some really fantastic information and um, even give us opportunities to look at, you know, like Venture for America things beyond what just boss has entailed. And so that in itself got a lot of great information from that. But in order to do really well, I think we both invested a lot of time on our own, just doing our own research because we're both so excited about what entrepreneurship could be since Ruby was an entrepreneurship minor and I was just getting into it. We talked about Twirl nonstop (laughs) for a really long time. I think on Halloween, we were (laughs) literally in her apartment. We could hear music from bars and we were like finishing up our pitch. (laughs) Right. And so through the connections that we made from other people in the entrepreneurship kind of environment, we were able to learn significantly more about what makes a good pitch and what kind of are the key pieces of data that you need to include. Have you thought about this? Like what's the growth of your market look like? And just so many different things that, you know, when you hear about a good idea, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess you've thought about these, maybe some pros and cons. But you really don't see the depth that lies beneath all of that until you really start diving deep. And that's facilitated by such a welcoming and um, inspiring community. So I would say, yeah, Mm -hmm. learned so much. Yeah. And and that's what I, you know, all the students that I've talked to over the years, and it's been a fair number of them now from Boss, you you hear the same thing. Oh my gosh, you know, I learned so much. And it's fast paced and it's high stakes and it's all these these things, but but the learning is is really um epic. And so uh, before we actually get into the concept of twirl, Ruby, since you're part of your background in education was around thinking about entrepreneurship, let's let's dig in a little bit about why entrepreneurship as a field of study, whether you ultimately become an entrepreneur and that's what somebody might go into, talk to us a little bit about what you think you gained from going from from the study of entrepreneurship as a as a core component of your sort of educational experience. Because from our perspective at past, we would argue that if you want to be a medical doctor, if you want to be an inventor, if you want to be a teacher, it doesn't make 
make any difference. We would argue that the experience that you had through boss and taking on entrepreneurship and taking a concept and going all the way to pitch, that that becomes foundational for the way folks are able to think about problems and come up with viable solutions. So no matter what industry you're in, I would argue we should all have some entrepreneurial training. So I'm curious, Ruby, do you agree with that? And if so, why? And if not, why? No, I I definitely agree with that. I've been like a huge, like the number one fan of the entrepreneurship and innovation minor at OSU. I think I learned about the minor when I first transferred to Ohio State and something. And honestly, I can say now that I've graduated, my favorite courses mm-hmm. have been not through not through my major, but it's been through my minor. Um, sorry, Fisher. <laughs> but uh, a lot of <laughs> like the, I think my favorite course I've ever taken was, and I believe the name of this course has changed because when I signed mm-hmm. up for the minor, it was still in its infancy. Product engineering design for non-engineers. Um, there was like an engineering oh, uh-huh. version as well, but I wasn't an engineering major and I probably would have done poorly. <laughs> but um, this course, <laughs> literally, I was reading books by... IDEO, I was being introduced to like the innovation process and like the design mm-hmm. process, like testing, how to like be lean, how to work with engineers, how to cross collaborate with the like, cross-functional teams that you're not familiar with and you're not exposed to as a traditional business major. And that was like by far one of my favorite classes. I also took like an intro mm-hmm. to design course, which was awesome. And a lot of this um, funneled into my now passion of uh, user experience design, which is something I definitely want to take with me into my career as I develop a bit further. But funny story about that, tracing it back to boss and like these pitches and the learning ops there. Melissa actually came to me with this idea because she was like, I know you want to do UI UX design. (laughs) So if you want to like practice mocking stuff up for this pitch, like let's do it. And that's kind of where the collaboration happened. But not only that, I would just also to add on a little bit to your last question, and I think it like bleeds over into this question as well. So it applies, but instead of having one niche area of study that you do when you major in something, entrepreneurship and pitch competitions like this allow you to learn every step of like what it takes to run a business. So this goes a little bit into post boss, but um, when you are awarded that uh, seed money to, you know, do stuff mm-hmm. and fund your business with to launch. We actually had a file for an LLC and that really pushed us to actually go through. It gave like it gave us a right. lot of accountability to actually go through with launching this business and really seeing this through to the end. So I would say that we learned even more after Boss because of what Boss was able to provide us with in terms of resources and support. And like we studied business, right? We like I, I was taking marketing classes. Right. Melissa has like had previous internship experience doing like financial modeling and stuff. But like this challenged us in a totally different way because instead of focusing on like niche fields of study or being working for like a department doing one task, we were tasked with you know analyzing the entire business and you know, calculating our own labor hours into like our our Mm -hmm. models and, you know, trying to decide pricing and running focus groups. And I was actually able to apply a lot of the courses that I was taking at the time to this like business that we were running. And that was awesome because I learned so much more by applying the things we were learning in slides and textbooks into practice and actually like running focus groups and speaking to our customer and running these surveys and analyzing the data, both qualitative and quantitative. So I cannot say enough good things (laughs) about that. 
That is so awesome. And I can't tell you how how happy it may. I mean, you know, as you're going on, you know, the, the, the smile on my face, because literally everything you're saying are exactly <laughs> the outcomes that we at past that we're we're really trying to sort of sort of push as part of this sort of transformative thinking about teaching learning and ultimately towards the future of work, right? Because all of this you're carrying back with you. And and literally what you were just describing is immersing yourself in a full ecosystem, right? As opposed to one singular piece. And so I just, I love that. Thank you so much for that, Ruby. So Melissa, I want to, I want to dig into the concept that you pitched in particular, because even though COVID derailed you guys, and we'll talk about that here in a minute, the important thing is that not only did you go all the way through the process and pitch and you 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 launched this thing, but but you you had an innovative idea that you pulled threads on repeatedly, right? To actually get to the point where you had the thing to launch. So just share with our listeners about twirl itself, right? And I know it goes beyond the notion of, you know, borrowing dresses, but but how and why? Why I mean, you, you already sort of explained a little bit about, hey, there was this need, but literally how do you go from that concept into twirl as a thing? Yeah, um definitely was a brainchild that was eating away at me for a bit. I think I thought about I sat on it for like at least a year before I didn't like I, for me, it was like, how do I even actualize this idea that I have? I didn't know about Boss at the time. And I was just like, yeah, I would love to make fashion more sustainable for people. But like, what am I supposed to do? And so once we were able to go through the process, it helped us refine the idea a lot more. But at its basis, Twirl is designed not to shame people or make me make people feel bad about enjoying fashion because at the end of the day, it's something that has been around for so long and will continue to exist in the world. But we want to have it so you can be sustainable while looking good and allow you to encourage yourself to think more about how you can be more sustainable in your everyday life. Fashion just being the first step. And... Honestly, part of it is out of my own selfish need too, because I I like looking good. I think a lot of people like looking good. And it was so hard because I was like, I don't want to keep buying all these dresses that I'm just going to wear once. It, like at the core of it all, I just thought it was kind of silly to be doing that all the time. And so when Ruby and I were just talking, it really kind of clicked in my brain that we should go ahead and try to create an almost shared closet for girls. Because you already share stuff from your friends, but why not expand that Mm -hmm. to other people as well? And so once we were able to go through Boss and really think about not just like, oh, we want girls to share clothes. There is a lot more to it. Just like pricing, how are we going to get this? The logistics, especially logistics and operations was a big core component of um, what we were aiming to do. And it definitely definitely added a lot of stress to our lives uh, because we were running a brick and mortar rental shop. And we were just two girls trying to run this whole thing. 
So there was a lot of considerations that we made throughout the whole process just to kind of be able to actualize the vision of making fashion a sustainable concept. And I do think if COVID had not happened the way it did, we were really Mm -hmm. kind of diving deep into kind of the Greek life niche and being able to build a lot of buzz around what we were doing. So I know that although we haven't really been able to continue a lot of it, we there are a lot of girls who have kind of talked about how um, you know twirl is really exciting or just kind of being inspired by what we were able to do. So I think in the future there are a lot of people who will maybe be taking this vision even further or actualizing their own dreams, which is really cool to see. Yeah, that is very very cool to see. And so, is there a life for twirl? For the two of you, is there life for twirl in a post-COVID world? I mean, at the end of the day, is is it is it an idea, a concept that's scalable, that's beyond, you know, the collegiate experience at Ohio State? I think that so there's actually a competitor that we found that started around the same time that we did. It's called Wear Wardrobe. They literally like started around the same time and we saw them and we were like oh, but they have so much funding. So this will be be interesting. So we were very focused on the collegiate market and they were focused more so on luxury clothing and they're based in New York City. So I do think that the idea in itself, definitely a lot of space for it. And there are a lot of different brands that are doing kind of more rentals for a month. Right, um, right. Pivoting from traditional retail which is really interesting to see. As for the two of us, I think it'll be really interesting to see as we gain more experience in our respective fields to be able to come back and find something else that maybe it is twirl reignited or maybe it's something else. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we're both really passionate about startups. Uh, I think we both got the bug a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what kind of new problems that we see and continue to innovate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to be watching for that because I think it's a it's an intriguing idea. And I and even though you're right, you know, you're starting to see similar concepts prop up from all kinds of different brands and in different scenarios. You know, I love the fact that you recognize that that doesn't make any difference. The experience alone um, was so valuable to you that you can imagine yourself engaging in that process um, in the future. So, Ruby, I want to dig in a little bit about that idea. Because, um, you know, a lot of the folks that listen to Learning Unboxed are instructors, they're teachers. And so that may be in the sort of K-12 space, um, but it also may be in that post-secondary or sort of trade space as well. And one of the things I think that folks sometimes struggle with figuring out how to do is how could I take concepts of entrepreneurship and roll it into whatever it is I'm already teaching or engaged in? And I realize that neither of you are teachers, but 
but I really want your feedback for our listeners about that user experience. So imagine that you are in a high school mathematics class or, you know, social studies or English even, right? What might it look or feel like had you had entrepreneurship rolled into some of those more traditional, you know, sort of endeavors of study when you were in high school? I guess at the end of the day, the question I'm really trying to ask is, had you had this experience earlier, would that have made a difference in your trajectory? Yeah, I definitely think it would have. I think thinking back to high school, sorry, this it's like a, a lot. No, I know. It's, it, you know, it's, it's a complex question. I'm sorry. It's a little convoluted for me to get there. I should have just sort of asked it right from, from, from the get-go. Hey, I really believe we should we should take this exact experience you had and push it as far down as we possibly could and have students do it over and over and over again. There you go. I just said it out loud. That's exactly what I think should happen. And I'm curious from the two of you that had you had the opportunity to have that sort of boss-ish experience multiple times Mm -hmm. from the time that you were younger all the way through your collegiate experience, how would that have changed the trajectory of your post-secondary learning experience? Or what would you have gotten out of that that was different? Would you have been more prepared? You know, it's a whole host of of pieces and either one of you just sort of jump right in and sort of pick up. But I think you get the sense of, of what I'm trying to get at here. Yeah, I, I think it would have helped me figure out what I want to do and what I'm passionate about because it gives you a large breadth of learning. Like you kind of have to learn everything about running a business, running mm-hmm. a business. And aside from the business component, the industry that you're launching in or the product you're launching. Mm-hmm. So for for me, I think it would have been extremely valuable because I had no idea what I wanted to do in high school. I still didn't have any idea what I wanted to do when I got to college. So, and, right. and I think that's like very similar to... I don't want to speak for you, Melissa, but I know we're both in consulting kind of because we don't know what we want to do professionally. <laughs> and I, I can say that um, going through Twirl solidified my interest in wanting to work in design in the future and wanting to work in user experience and creating good customer experiences. And that is an opportunity that I'm really grateful to have open doors for at my current career mm-hmm. and my current job. But I, I wish I knew earlier because I would have been right. recruiting for these opportunities, these these companies um, with more laser focus <laughs> if I had. And um, I would add the second thing that I think I would have gained is um, a sense of confidence in myself and mm-hmm. what I want to do. Right. Because so I would say confidence and then knowing what to do. <laughs> um, but in terms of confidence, thinking back to like where I was in high school, I think it's natural at that age to be, you know, feeling a little insecure about your future. You're 18 years old, expected to make a college decision. But, mm-hmm. I, you know, but I think that having, you know, an opportunity to do something outside of school that's bigger than yourself and feels very real world and is like real world applications, it really opens up firsthand experience to what you could be doing, fields you could be working in, what the process of, you know, starting a business is like. So all those different touch points um, within entrepreneurship and the innovation process, I think would have helped me, you know, just be more confident and also like know what I want to do. (laughs) Yeah. You found your passion along the way, clearly, right? Yeah. So Melissa, what what are your thoughts? Yeah. I really like this question actually, because it made me think back a little bit. And I think I did kind of adopt some of the things that I learned. Like fundamentally, the startup environment is so okay with failure. Like it's just so normalized. 
And as someone who is so terrified of doing the wrong thing always, launching an MVP that wasn't perfect, like that was like, wow, that's crazy. What will they think? And I absolutely love that. At like at its core, it has made me because I teach freshman business students. I incorporate that a lot in what I teach. And like it's okay to like not have the right thing initially. You just kind of got to keep going and pushing forward. And I don't present myself like I'm a perfect person anymore. Like it's just like you're constantly learning, growing, and changing. And I think especially you know at those younger levels in high school, especially when the stakes are so high for, you know, college and all the pressure on you and your hormones are changing. Mm -hmm. I wish that the way that people were taught was a lot more, you know, like, yeah, try some different ways and see if you can solve this problem. And if not, like, we'll find a way together. But, you know, why don't you go ahead and try first and not just being kind of taught formulas where you have to follow the traditional path. And kind of going off of that too, it's just really cool to be able to think of how things are done normally and be like, wait, no, like, let's not do it that way. Like, let's see if we can do something different that's maybe better, maybe it's worse. And there's only one way to actually find out though. And you just have to go through with it which I think is really exciting. And I think also like Ruby mentioned, I would have loved that at a younger age as well. Mm, absolutely. And, I, and I, I, I love the way you were thinking about the, the aspect of failure, right? Because the reality is we learn far more when we fail and then modify than we will ever learn just from memorizing, passing the test and moving on to the next thing without ever contemplating that's sort of the hows or the whys, right? So I, I, I really, um, I really love that. So I want to close the program and ask each of you, putting you on the spot just a little bit, you know, if you had the chance to go back to high school and and say something to a teacher about this experience and how you, because you both, you know, reflected on, I wish we'd had more of this, right? But but imagine your imagine the the fact that you know there's there's um teacher listening to the saying hey you know these two young women are amazing right and and they keep talking about how this experience contributed to that what would you what would you tell a high school teacher that was contemplating doing something boss like in terms of what what they should try if there was one thing you wanted them to give a try what would it be and they're both thinking, so I'm going to keep talking while, while they're contemplating um, here in just a minute. And, and one of the reasons why I'm asking the question is, is, again, you know, as I said earlier, I feel very, very strongly about the idea of what would happen if we, we unfettered that high school experience. Because there's a, there's a lot of folks talking about, you know, the transformative nature of, of what we should be doing with high school. And yet high school is very, very complex in many ways more complex than elementary and middle school. And, and not because those are not also very difficult, but, you know, that we're getting into the point where we're really doing a lot of content foundational pieces that are supposed to be um, translating into your sort of next piece of your journey. And yet, what I hear repeatedly from collegiate students is, I wish I had X experience before I got to college. I hear that over and over again. So 
Melissa, I can I tell might, you ready. This might be this might be a little bit rambly and kind of not all together, but you're right. High school is pretty complex and there are a lot of different things going on at the same time. You might have to get certain high school students ready for this, but I know at the end of the day, everyone is interested in something. And there's always something that kind of makes someone perk up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that because high school is really rigid, high school is so rigid and formulaic. I wish, I don't know if it's even possible, but if any teacher is considering it, kind of give an open space for students to really kind of explore different areas. Maybe they're really niche and maybe it doesn't seem like there is like an actual, you know, real career tied to it. But I think it's important to really be able to allow kids to explore and not kind of squash it and be like, no, this is, you know, like, this is how it should be. Being able to like question them and kind of play devil's advocate a little bit Mm -hmm. and really allow them the chance to actually dig deep because I don't think as of right now, the time is limited for it. And there are so many other things going on. It's really hard to prioritize actually, you know, thinking about your interests in that, in that really stressful period of time. Yeah. Helping folks find something to be passionate about. I love that you said that everybody's got a spark. You got to find the thing that that sort of ignites that spark, right? Ruby, what do you think? I was going to echo like a very, very similar um, answer. So I think, so I'm thinking back to like where I was in high school and in high school, I wanted to be in a, like, I wanted to be a rock star. Like I literally wasn't a cover band. I wasn't like Like my hopes and dreams weren't like, oh, like I want to get into this XYZ college and study this. I was like, I want to make music for the rest of my life. And I'm also thinking about my younger brother who also recently graduated from college and what he was doing in high school. And he wanted to make like an app and he was like in the like in talks with with, like one of his friends Mm -hmm. to develop it. And I'm thinking about these two very different interests and like they were both things that you know, different high schoolers were passionate about and didn't necessarily like have time to execute nor the resources and maybe not the connections. And I think having like a program or like even in some sort of like floating space, like a class similar to um, Paul Reader was offering like a capstone course where you could take mm-hmm. an idea you had and just work on that for the semester. You kind of create your own curriculum where you're like, providing like updates on what you're working on, like how it's going. And and I use twirl for, for mine. So I, I think something right. like that structured into like a high school curriculum. I know like DECA exists. So maybe an equivalent yep. of DECA, but it's like an entrepreneurship type program mm-hmm. where you're just given this space um, and you're given connections to maybe industry experts and professionals. And it doesn't even like matter if it's a product or a business or like, even in my case, like I wanted to be a, like a musician. So like, I don't know, like understanding how that works and how booking venues works and how like you have to like, you know, manage your funds. And like, it's not just mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I want to like, I play an instrument so I can go out there and get this career or job it's it's really experiencing like the daily life and understanding what goes into everything and I definitely agree with Melissa that a lot of things in high school are structured and you might not necessarily get that opportunity to experience it 
um, and really learn from it and, you know, take that and, you know, progress into college with that kind of experience already under your belt. So definitely super similar, just like a open space for students to explore. More real world. That's what that's what my takeaway that I, I heard from the two of you is a, 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 an earlier opportunity to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Ladies, thank you so very, very much for taking time out of your day and uh, sharing, you know, um, part of your journey with us. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us for Learning Unboxed conversation about teaching, learning, and the future of work. I want to thank my guests and encourage you all to be part of the conversation. Meet me on social media at Annalise Corbin and join me next time as we stand up, step back, and lean in to reimagine education.